trigger warning. We will be discussing suicidality in this episode. If at any point this conversation feels too heavy for you, please note that it is okay to listen to yourself and take space. Please contact a crisis or emergency line if you're feeling suicidal. Hello and welcome to Not Your Basic Influencers. We're two licensed mental health professionals influencing you on the shit that matters most. This podcast is in partnership with Dive Through, a mental wellness company that helps you dive through what you go through. Let's jump in. Welcome back. This week it's just me, Elise, and I had the amazing opportunity to sit down and talk with Amber Gardner, who is the director of partnerships with To Write Love on Her Arms, which is an amazing, amazing nonprofit that you've probably heard of at some point or another. Um, Their mission is to present hope and find help for people struggling with depression, addiction, self-injury, and suicide. Taloha exists to encourage, inform, inspire, and also invest directly into treatment and recovery. Amber goes into a lot of detail just about the company itself, um, her own lived experiences, and how that led her to working for Taloha. And we just have a really great conversation that I think anybody can benefit from listening to. So I hope you enjoy it, and you can check out the show notes after to learn more about Taloha and Amber herself. Okay, so I'm going to start with, we always ask our guests a couple questions. So if you can, in under 60 seconds, um, share one thing that you're feeling grateful for, and then one thing that's weighing heavy on you. Yeah, um, so right now I'm feeling grateful for just the support of my friends and family right now, and it ties into what's kind of weighing heavy. My dad just passed away um, a few weeks ago, and so going through a season of grief and just understanding the importance of how and how valuable like friends and family are um in general but how they show up for you in the hard times in ways that you never thought like oh that was helpful I never would have thought I would have needed xyz so yeah I'm really sorry about your loss oh that's just so hard and I can only imagine just like over the last year just with COVID and then to have a loss with all of that it's really really heavy yeah it's been it's been a lot yeah well, and I thank you for sharing that for one. And, and two, I love how you could, were able to tie in the two together. Cause I think it just really shows that existence of two things being able to, to coexist at the same time, right? Like the power of, and, and this belief that this can be really hard and I can be really grateful for the support during that time. Yeah. And there, I've been learning cause like there's a time for grief, but that doesn't mean that in this season of grief, there can't be room for joy as well. So um, my sister lives in London, but she's home now. And so I'm getting to spend more time with her and with my mom. And so like, it's a hard reason that brought us all together for like this extended period of time, but there's still joy in the moments and the memories we're creating together, even though we're walking through a season of grief together. Yeah. I love that insight. That's huge. Thank you for sharing. Well, I'm actually going to skip the first question and kind of navigate a little bit because I'd love to hear, I guess, just like, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and who you work with? I'll let you just kind of introduce it that way. 
Of course. So I'm Amber. I'm the director of partnerships at To Write Love on Her Arms, which is a, a mental health nonprofit that was established back in 2006, so 15 years ago. And Toloha, as we shorten it, um, was started as a way to help a friend. Our founder, Jamie Torkowski, just wanted to help a friend get into um, a treatment center and was raising money to help her get into that and wrote a story and shared it on MySpace back in the day. And <laughs> this story was entitled To Write Love on Her Arms. And so that's now our namesake. And that story went viral. And he made t-shirts that were sold to provide for her treatment. And it just turned into a movement and then uh, led him to starting the nonprofit in 2006. So Chaloha serves um, as a bridge to hope and help for people facing issues such as uh, addiction, depression, anxiety, self-injury, and suicide. And since then, we've invested uh, over $2.7 million into treatment and recovery for people who could otherwise not afford to get treatment themselves. That's amazing. So amazing. And it's crazy because I think back I graduated high school in 2007, and I want to say I first heard of Taloha. Did I say it right? Yes. <laughs> I want to say around that time. And that's funny that you said MySpace, because I'm like, yeah, that was, that's all we had back, you yep. know, around that time. So yeah. fascinating. And I was reading about that story. I didn't know that that's how it had started. It's, that's a really, really cool way for it to have grown. And it came from such a like the purpose wasn't to create this. I think that's what kind of makes it so unique. It's like, it started from something completely different with just a, um, somebody just trying to help a friend. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. I think that, you know, the term grassroots is often thrown around in the nonprofit world. And that's kind of what we were. It was an organic thing that happened. And people are like, how did you start to write love on her arms? How do I start a nonprofit? And we're like, it kind of just, evolved into itself. And so we're not the experts on how to start a nonprofit. It was just our founder trying to help one person that um, realized that a lot of people were looking for similar help either for themselves or how to help their friends and family. And so it just turned into what we are today. And it, yeah, it's definitely kind of the definition of grassroots and organic in regards to nonprofits. I love that because I do think, um, I don't know. I mean, just personally, I'm, I'm a big fan of stories. And so when I hear of a nonprofit having a story behind them, that's very, like you said, organic and just like kind of backed in humility. And like, that just makes a big difference for me and who I support. So thank you for sharing that. And so how did you start working for them? Like, what's your passion and how did you end up, you know, your start there? Yeah. So I first heard about Trite Love on Our Arms shortly after you did, if you said 2007, I heard about them in 2008 when I was in high school. I was at a summer camp in Northern Michigan and one of my friends at the time had on one of the original Trite Love on Her Arms t-shirts. So it was a simple black tee with white letters and it just said Trite Love on Her Arms. And I asked him what that was about and he shared about the movement and that it was dedicated to presenting help and hope for those struggling with a variety of mental health issues. And for me at that time, I had just come out of a season of depression and anxiety and um, a suicide attempt. And it was something that my parents uh, at the time were not comfortable talking about. Mm -hmm. And so even though it was something that hit so close to home, I couldn't talk to about the people, you know, physically and literally in my home. And so 
um, they just didn't have the knowledge or resources or on how to handle that. And so I just kind of um, attached on to this message of hope and help that Turret Love on Our Arms was spreading back in, you know, 2008. And uh, they were still new. They were two years old as a little nonprofit, but have kind of just followed along since then. And um, I just, I knew that it was something that helped me along in my own mental health journey. And so I've always advocated for it. I've always pointed people to them way long before I started working for them. But I joined staff here February of 2019. So just over two years ago, um, when a position opened up, somebody I went to college is also on staff here. And so he knew that I was passionate about the organization and uh, caring for mental health and helping others get connected to help. And so um, he let me know about the opening and it just kind of all worked out. And yeah, so now I'm here. And here you are. That's awesome. It, it's fascinating too, because, and so when did you graduate high school? Uh, 2010. Okay. So around the same time I did, right? Like, and it's obviously not so long ago, but it is interesting to see how much has changed around speaking about mental health since then. Yeah. Um, I guess like, I'm curious, like, did, because when you were having those experiences in high school, what resources did you know about? Like, was, was it talked about at school? Was not really. And, you know, the sad part to that was I lost a few classmates to suicide around that time. And, but nobody, like no one in junior high or high school, nobody was talking about mental health. And it, I think also we were kind of in the, um, in the 2000s, you know, the emo phase was really yeah. popular and everybody was like, oh, it's just, it's just a phase. <laughs> um, but like there were people actually, you know, struggling, but nobody was talking about it. And we've come a long way since then, um, thankfully, but at the time, I think the resources, it was like, you can talk to your guidance counselor, or I went to like a counselor once or twice, like outside of school, but but that was it. So I don't know if it was the limited resources back then, or just it was still more so of a taboo topic that nobody wanted to really talk about. And I think with when, especially when it comes to suicide and the losses that, you know, my classmates had, the faculty and administration kind of thought at the time, and that's, it's still kind of a mindset that, oh, if we talk about suicide, it's going to lead to more. And, you know, that's, that's a myth and that's not the case, but it was just like, we're just going to, we're just going to quickly brush this under the rug and move on and hope that everyone else is okay. Yeah. It, it's that fine line, right. Of knowing that that's completely false um, and not glorifying it at the same time. It's like, how do we walk that line and still, you know, honor this person. And um, that's a really, really tough line to cross. And I, I know just from my experience, like, I don't think my high school talked about that kind of stuff at that time. Um, I work for a high school now and um we do, but I still think that there's, you know, it's, it's just a tough conversation for people. And so I think there's still maybe some, um, discomfort around it. Um, but districts and people are hopefully starting to understand a little bit more the importance of having those conversations because, you know, like you're talking about that emo stage that we had back in that time frame. um, there's that version now, right. And kids are, and it may not even be those kids, but I think there is like a lot of expression around, what's going on internally, you know, in those different ways. So it's important for people to know what those resources are. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. 
Do you struggle with anxiety or depression? Or do you have a difficult time managing stress? Or maybe you struggle with self-esteem or relationships. We have all been there. You are not alone. I have personally struggled with anxiety for most of my life and therapy has been invaluable. It has really helped me to work through challenging times in life transitions. And I'm not just saying therapy works because I'm a therapist. Through therapy, I've developed so much more self-compassion and have learned how to manage my anxiety so that it is less overwhelming. BetterHelp is a therapy platform that will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online, and you can start communicating in under 48 hours. The service is available to anyone, anywhere worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses, plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. It is so convenient. It makes therapy more accessible. BetterHelp understands how difficult it can be to find a therapist that you like and really connect with, so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It can also be more affordable, and financial aid is also available. Visit BetterHelp.com, that's Better H-E-L-P, and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. BetterHelp is giving a special offer to Not Your Basic Influencers listeners. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash Basic Influencers. And we have included the link in our show notes. I guess um, I'm curious too. So does to write love on her arms, hire a lot of people with lived experience? Like, does that seem to be kind of the case with many people that work there? Yeah, I think, well, I think in general for nonprofits, no matter if it's mental health or something else, there's normally some sort of passion kind of behind it. And so a lot of our staff and our interns have either personally dealt with the topics that we talk about or have uh, somebody close to them, someone in their life, family or friends have walked through that as well. And so they know, you know, the importance of getting help either for themselves or for someone else. Yeah, absolutely. What was that like kind of shift for you? Like having had those that lived experience yourself, what, what helped? Um, I think, especially when I found out about to write love on our arms back in 2008, I think for me in my journey, I felt so isolated and alone. Mm -hmm. And I would come to find out years later that, you know, my, both of my parents were struggling with depression at the time and on medication for it, but they came from a generation where it's like, we don't talk about it or we don't talk to our kids about it. Mm -hmm. And so I was, you know, physically walking through life with people that were going through the same thing, but were told not to talk to me about it or just thought they couldn't. And so I felt alone and nobody at school was talking about it. And so when I heard that there was this movement and this group of people dedicated to sharing stories, I found out that I wasn't alone. Like there were other people walking through the same things I was and they were freely talking about it. And that that in itself, those stories were so hopeful to me because it would be someone that was three years down the road from, you know, their darkest point. And I knew like, okay, like I can get there. Like this person's story has given me hope to keep fighting. And so I think that that was, that was what shifted for me. That's huge. And like, ultimately what I'm hearing is like, just this, this, uh, I guess like notion that you weren't alone in it. Yeah. And how, I just am so curious, like how many people are probably walking around having that same experience or parents who think they can't open up to their kids, right? And not that that should be 
put onto their kids, but like, how can we start to have these like authentic conversations um, that increase that, that relatability of like, Hey, I'm struggling. It's okay to struggle. And here's what I'm doing about it. I'm talking to somebody, I'm taking medication, like really normalizing the things that we can do to take care of ourselves. And at no fault to your parents, right? Like this is yeah. that's the way they were raised. That was maybe the generation at the time. Um, that's really, really tough. And I'm really glad that you obviously came across this and what a cool first full circle for you to be able to then now work for this organization that's providing that thing to so many people. Really. Yeah, it's definitely a full circle moment. Um, super thankful for that. And yeah, I think that you know, like, obviously I, I'm not a parent. I don't have kids. And so I don't know, I don't have that lived experience of being a parent and also going through depression or watching a child go through it. But I think, you know, the parent doesn't have to tell the kids everything, but normalizing and like using the words, like if a child or someone is diagnosed with depression, like calling it that and not saying like, oh, they're just a moody teenager. Right. Cause that's, that was a lot of what was like common when I was a teenager it was like, oh, they're just moody. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a phase and they'll, they'll grow out of it. But like, for me, there was an actual, you know, chemical imbalance. And so um, normalizing conversations around it and normalizing that, like, if you're not okay, it's okay. Um, right. And you can say that. Yeah. It's okay not to be okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what's it been like for you? Cause I know just in general, even just hearing you talk about it, it sounds like Taloha is like huge on community. So what's it been like for you being a part of a community that really strives to have these better endings for people? Yeah. So being a part of the Taloha community in regards to the staff, I think our team is really great at practicing what, you know, we preach. Um, at things that you see on social media, whether it's messages of hope or late night encouragement or resources that we're putting out to the public, we're also sharing internally. We're, um, if you're having a hard day, like you're allowed to say that and be like, I, you know, they're really great about caring about your mental health. And so if you need to take an hour off in the afternoon or a few hours and just kind of uh, pause and do some self-care activities, things like that. They're really great at encouraging that. And so even today, you know, it's the end of June, we are, kind of launching into a busy season work-wise for all of our departments. In August, we'll launch our World Suicide Prevention Day campaign. And so right now we're in the thick of it. And so with, and even with working remotely for now, it's been over a year with COVID. um, We kind of, we don't have that opportunity to like close the laptop and get in the car and drive home. Mm -hmm. And so with the home work life, some of us, you know, as we get into busy seasons, it's easy to just keep working and keep working and then realize like, oh, it has been, you know, X amount of hours past a normal work day, but because I didn't have to get in the car and leave, you know, leave the office, um, the leadership's been really great about encouraging like, okay, be sure to like, close your computer, step away, come back tomorrow. Or if you have worked, you know, longer hours, kind of taking some flex time. Our staff is great at, um, you know, we get hours to go to counseling and counseling's encouraged um, if we need it and things like that. So it's, they're really great at reminding us that the work, yes, the work that we're doing is important and helping other people is important, but we can't help other people if we're not helping ourselves first. And so, um, it's really cool to be a part of a staff and 
a company like that because I've definitely had the very opposite <laughs> in other jobs. And so it's very refreshing to be here. That is like, hearing you talk about it, I'm like, that's what you you hear almost a lot of companies and organizations preach that they do, but I'm so curious how many actually walk that walk. Um, so that's really, really cool to hear that that culture isn't just what's put out to other people, right? Like that, that, that those core values kind of come across with how they treat their staff too. And I'm guess I'm curious for you, have you experienced a lot of that support having experienced your, the loss of your dad and just, wow, that's amazing. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, like there's, I've worked for corporate companies that are like, oh, you've had a death in the family. Like here are your two bereavement days. Like we'll see on Monday. And they've been really great to um, not only constantly just checking in with me, like during work hours, outside of work hours, but just letting me know that like, I can take the time I need. And so like, if I took some time in the beginning and then I was like, okay, I I need to stay busy a little bit right now. Um, But then later next month, I'm going to take some more time off as we do kind of a celebration of life for my dad. And so it's been, I felt very supported um, during this time. Very thankful for that. Great. Really, really great. And I love just that ability to, I guess, for you to kind of be the expert in your life, right. And say what you need. And they just kind of like follow suit. And obviously it's still a business like, um, but I'm curious for you having worked in other agencies or organizations, whatever you want to call it, working for corporate, what is your experience around like levels of productivity? Like, um, what's the other word I'm looking for? I guess like almost just that like motivation to like come to work and do your work and not just because of what you're doing, but because of that type of leadership, like how does that affect those things? Yeah, I think, I mean, in the past when, so I've worked for other corporate companies, um, I have somewhat of a sales background, and then I've also worked for other nonprofits, and some of them have been great, some of them have not been great, and there were companies where it felt like, I'm just a number. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the end of the day, I'm just, you know, one out of a thousand and another means for the company to profit more financially. Whereas like at the end of the day here, like we care about people and we care about stories. And so if I'm struggling with my mental health or, you know, what the season of grief I'm walking through now, like that yes, the work we're doing is important, but I've seen the team come together and help carry like my workload so that I can care for myself right now, or I can be there for my mom or my sister. And so it's things like that. And it's, it's even little things of just like someone randomly checking in from staff, um, on the weekend or like father's day, you know, that was a hard day for my family this past weekend and staff, members who, you know, have become friends, we're checking in. And it's those little things that make you excited to open the computer on a Monday morning and, you know, go to work and work with that team. And so I think because we care so much about people and stories, uh, the culture of our team is really great and really solid. And so it's, it's what makes me excited to go to work. And then also the mission and the work that we're doing. I think um, at the end of the day, even if it's a hard day personally or a hard day professionally, I know that it's still taking steps towards our mission and the greater cause. And so for me, that's, yeah, that's what kind of motivates me to 
work every day. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. And that's a cool, it's neat that you've had the different experiences and can kind of compare that because man, to like, I can't imagine somebody having had that experience working for an organization and then leaving and working for someone that's not, I mean, honestly, like a mental health company to like yeah. fully have those guidelines of, you know, those expectations. But I, that's like my dream is that everybody's like that and understands, you know, even just the research behind having that ability to take a mental health day to do this, like how much it helps to destigmatize and also can increase productivity, all the things that they want anyways, like instead of this like hustle culture. So really, really cool that you've had that experience. Um, What are some of your favorite self-care strategies? And I would even like push that to say, you know, especially just with the grief and the loss of your dad, like how have you been taking care of yourself and how has that differed with how you've taken care of yourself typically? Yeah. Um, well, I think in general, and one thing that kind of has been helpful in, you know, a normal season of life. And then this season of grief with my dad, um, is I love being outside. And so Trite Love on our arms, our office is based in Florida. So that's where I normally am. And I lived right next to the beach. And so I would go, you know, kind of no matter what time of the day it was, if I just needed a space or time to kind of almost recalibrate um, in nature. So sitting at the beach next to the ocean, listening to the waves or here in Nevada, it is very hot right now, but um, my mom lives near a mountain, uh, Mount Charleston. And so it's like 20 to 30 degrees cooler, depending on the day up at the top of the mountain and very different in contrast compared to the like red desert down here it's green and trees and all that stuff so just going up there and going for a hike and you know putting the phone away and kind of just being out in nature so that's something that's kind of remained steady through Mm -hmm. my normal life and then now um I have a dog and so I love spending time with her and just um even on hard days like she'll get me out of the house because Um, where I live in Florida, I don't have like a backyard. So I have to, you know, get out of the house and walk her. And so that's just always good moving my body a little bit to um, help clear my mind and take care of myself. And then I'm an extrovert. So spending time with friends and family is kind of how I recharge. So alone time I still need and is still great, but um, I love being with friends and family to kind of recharge. And that's also kind of true to this, this season that I'm walking through as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I love one, the, like, just what you described about the mountain in Nevada, right? This like kind of contrast of the desert, like that has to be really beautiful too, to get to a space that's like, you're, there's a lot of flat land. It's super hot there. Like I told you, I just came from Laughlin um, last week and just the drive back to California is like all desert flat land. So to get on top of a mountain and experience that like contrast in the, um, uh, Oh my gosh, why can't I think of the word? Degrees. <laughs> the weather. Yeah, that, um, that's really, really cool. And it's neat to see, I guess for you, you already kind of knew for yourself that that connection of nature and just support, right? Like having a support system is like steady and important for you, whether something big is going on or not. And I, I think it's good for people to hear that, that these are things that we really have to try and implement, like when things are small, so that when things do get big and there, there are heavy things that we come across that we remember how important it is to like have some of that established because it's really hard to like 
out of thin air, like start taking care of ourselves just because shit hits the fan, right? Like we yeah. have to do those things as we go. Really cool. Um, well, I guess my last question for you would be, well, actually I have one more after that, but that's a surprise one. Um, can you tell us just a little bit, I guess, for like different resources that Taloha has and anything that people can access, especially if, you know, I think there's a lot of people, especially right now, probably seeking mental health care that can't afford it. Um, what is that like and how can they access that kind of support? Yeah, so Troy Elvin or Arms has an online find help tool. You can go to toloha.com slash find help, T-W-L-O-H-A.com slash find help. And if you're in the U.S., you can put in your zip code and a keyword. So whether that's counseling or support group or um, inpatient treatment, whatever it may be, and you can see what resources are in your area and then it'll also um, you can filter it out for free and reduced cost services as well so if it's a counselor offering like a sliding scale or things like that um, that might be more affordable for you and then we also provide scholarships for people who cannot afford counseling and so if you go on that same find help page you can see information about our scholarship program and can apply and we'll either if you have a counselor in mind or if you need help finding one we'll be able to kind of help you with both of those and then another resource that we always direct people to is crisis text line so they're a 24 seven crisis uh, text line <laughs> and so no matter if you're um if it could be you're having a hard day and just need someone to talk to, um, or it could be that you are, you know, the extreme of um, considering suicide, whatever it may be, they're there. Uh, they've trained crisis counselors to um, walk you from um, a heated moment to um, a calm and cool collective moment. And so they'll be able to provide resources in your area as well. Um, and also just be um, a resource to talk to if you're feeling alone in whatever you're going through. So you can text Tuloha to 741-741 and a crisis counselor from Crisis Text Line will reach out to you um, over text. And then they also have a Facebook Messenger option too if you do not have texting or you don't have access to a, a cell phone at the time. It's, no, I didn't know that. I tell a lot of them, my teams about that, right? Because it's nice to have that option to text if you don't feel like talking. And I think it's a cool resource because a lot of the resources out there, like um, the suicide hotline, which is obviously amazing, but it's specific to suicide where the crisis text line is more, it could be that you're having a really hard day and it doesn't have to be um, a crisis at that level. It could just be something really difficult that you're going through. Yeah, definitely. And the Facebook Messenger option is also helpful if someone doesn't have texting or sometimes people don't want, or uh, especially teens, I've worked with a lot of teens, like don't want, oh, like my parents pay the phone bill, so I don't want them to see like who I'm texting, um, but Facebook Messenger is another great option as well. And then um, this year we also launched a self-care app, um, so daily journal prompts, you can track your moods and just get some daily encouragement and hope. It's called The Hopeful, and so you can find that in um, uh, Google and Apple uh, app stores. Awesome, thank you. Well, I guess my last question for you, Amber, is who are you outside of the director of partnerships, right? Did I say that right? Yeah. With yeah. Aloha, like who is Amber? Um, I 
am a sister and a daughter, um, a dog mom, and a plant lover. I, yeah, I love being outside and traveling. Uh, I was trying to do 50 states by 30. I turned 30 in March, so COVID really, you know, threw a wrench into that one, but still gonna hit all those 50 states. And so love traveling. Um, yeah, I love, even outside of work, I love helping people. I volunteer at some other nonprofits. And so, um, yeah, I don't know, that's me. <laughs> How many states have you traveled to so far? Um, I have 12 left. Oh, that's yeah. fascinating. Yeah. When did you set that goal for yourself? Um, probably, let's see. I think it was around 2014 that I started. I had already been to a lot of states. I didn't start in 2014. Right. Um, but I think I like to plan and I like to do, you know, five-year plans, things like that. And so I was like, what do I want to do by 30? And I was like, I'll do 50 states. And I was, I had a lot planned for last year. I was going to do a long road trip, um, but it's okay. COVID was 50 by 31. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. Well, I think honestly, what I have to just tell you, I love so much about this conversation with you and Leah and I are huge on this. And this is a big reason why we wanted to do this podcast and kind of like how we both approach our professional life too, is like being human first. And I just appreciate you showing so much of like your humanness and being super vulnerable in this conversation. Like I feel like even asking that question, like, who are you outside of? I actually felt like I had a pretty good idea of who you were, because I think it seems like there's a huge crossover to who you are as like a professional as to who you are just in your own life. So thank you so much for just your time and and sharing with us and what a badass company you work for. That is, it's so cool. Thank you. I've enjoyed talking with you and yeah, thank you for Thank you so much for joining us today. For more information about our guests, resources, and topics discussed, check out our show notes. Support this podcast by subscribing and following us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And if you like this episode, please rate and leave us a review. You can follow us on Instagram at NotYourBasicInfluencers and also call in and leave us a voicemail with any afterthoughts, questions, or suggestions for future topics at 323-553-2093. We would love to hear from you. And as always, we appreciate you.